It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall. Jamie Dew. All right. Thank you so much, Sugdenass. It is a thrill to be here with you once again on the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. My name is JD, and it's good to be joining you today. We have a heck of a show for you. We are joined by our friend from the SNN, John Schneider, the grand poobah over there, if you will. And he has uh, sullied himself to come over to the dark side here and join us in the hall. And, um, you know, let him be a role model to you. He, he wheeled up here and he, he, he found the best parking spot he could find away from all the puddles. It's been a, it's been a, rainy, it's been a rainy beginning of fall here in the hall. And uh, even then, he still, that son of a gun, wiped his feet until the cows came home. And, and uh, you know, the hall is better for it. Let's just say that. So the hall is better for it. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair. Each episode, we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. This week, we have an interesting candidate. We have a candidate that has been on the ballot since season one, and this is quite shocking to me because if we had started the SNL Hall of Fame in 2016, he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that is Justin Timberlake. John Schneider is here with uh, Thomas Senna downstairs, raring to go. But before we go any further, let's take a visit to our friend Matt's Minutia Minute corner and uh, get the skinny on Mr. Timberlake, uh, somebody who is um, a bit of Johnny everything. He can do it all. He can sing. He can dance. He can do comedy. He can do slapstick. Uh, he can tell a punchline. I mean, uh, I guess I said that when I said do comedy, but I'm being more specific now, you see. Uh, Matt, what's up? Hey, Jamie, how you doing? I'm great. How about you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, yeah, can't wait to talk about today's uh, eligible inductee. Yeah, he is quite eligible. Isn't he? Justin Timberlake. That's right. Height 5'11", born January 31st, 1981. I am older than Justin. <laughs> that is not a piece of trivia. It is a sad fact that makes me feel <laughs> old. You are old. Before he started bringing sexy back, or even before he started serving with the Mouseketeers, alongside his fellow Mouseketeers, Britney Spears, Ryan Gosling, and Carrie Russell, Justin was the son of a choir master and a young gospel singer making the circuit appearing at the Grand Old Opry at the age of 10. Wow. He followed that up with a star search appearance at 11, where he was a runner-up. Huh. And that's when the mouse came for him, recruiting him to the Mouseketeers at age 12. 
His first movie was Disney's Model Behavior in 2000. A dedicated performer, he's appeared in 95 acting roles, is listed as a composer for 23 films, and has been on 185 soundtracks. He's released five solo studio albums and four albums as a member of NSYNC. Hmm. He's nominated for 69 different awards. He's won seven AMAs, nine Billboard Music Awards, three Brit Awards, 29 ASCAP Awards, 11 MTV Music Video Awards, and 10 Grammys. He even has an Oscar nom for his contribution to the Trolls soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Not the Oscar I'd want to be nominated for, but still, he's been nominated for more Oscars than I have, so good for him. Like every normal human, uh, when he can't sleep, Justin likes a nice lullaby. Unlike other normal humans, though, he has the voice of Justin Timberlake, so he is known to sing himself lullabies to help himself sleep. Oh, for cripes sake. An entrepreneur, he owns a soul food restaurant in Manhattan called Southern Hospitality, a clothing line called William Rast, and a tequila brand called Souza 901. And apparently, it's not crap. I don't drink tequila. When I do, I black out and wake up without my pants. So I can't <laughs> tell you that but if it's good or not, but I'll just take the internet's word for it. Yeah, probably a good idea. One of Time's 100 Most Influential People in 2013, he was also Golf Magazine's Top 100 in Music, tied with Chicago's Jason Chef and Hootie and the Blowfish's Darius Rucker at a six handicap. Not only a fan of bands like uh, Coldplay and performers like Bjork, Justin is also beloved by other musicians. Yeah. Uh, with Elton John, deciding to cast Justin as himself, Elton, in the video for The Train Don't Stop There No More, playing a young Elton. Hmm. He was the first victim of Ashton Kutcher's tomfoolery on the show Punk. I remember that episode. And he also has one of the most viewed music videos of all time, with Can't Stop the Feeling being the most popular, with over a million views. Wow. Well, that is uh, great. Thank you so much for sharing today, Matt. And uh, I think we should move right down and get into the conversation between John and Thomas. What do you say? Take it away. Jamie, thank you so much for that. Yes, I am joined by the Lorne Michaels, I would say, of the Saturday Night Network, doing big things over over at the SNN, getting a lot of like big guests, and uh, glad he's still not big time in us. But I don't know, the day might come. You get that one big fish, and then all of a sudden he's shaking his head. No, I know, good guy, John Schneider from the Saturday Night Network uh, is joining us. John, thanks for making time for us. Of course, absolutely. Never, never will happen to my friends here over at the SNL Hall of Fame. My feet will always be clean and ready to go for you. 
Yeah, well, we appreciate that. And I am impressed, though. Geez, like the lineup of people you've been able to talk to uh, over the last year, last few months has been really, really enjoyable interviews. It's not just the names. I've really enjoyed what you bring out of them. Uh, specifically, the Mikey Day one was, was oh. super enjoyable. The way Mikey seemed to let his guard down a little bit. I think you made him comfortable, and he was kind of. I love how he was fascinated with like the number aspect of the Saturday Night Live community. So that 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 was super fun. Yeah, for sure. Got to shout out uh, Mike Murray for that because uh, he obviously does an amazing job over with us with all the analytics. But yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, I've been looking for ways to engage the and build a bridge between SNL and its fans. And uh, I think we found that both with the analytics and then with our commentary and uh, getting to talk to Mikey Day and Heidi Gardner and some other people who worked at the show. They seem to like really appreciate that there is a place for you know, them to talk about their experiences with people who really understand it. Like, that's what I hear all the time is like, mm-hmm. you know, they go out for dinner with their friends and they just like want to talk about the sketches that they worked on the last week, but they, their friends don't care. But like, we're, we're the people that care. Like, we're the ones that want to go out for dinner with them. So, yeah, like, we'll be your friends. Come on, guys. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so it's been really fun and an awesome experience and uh, very thankful for like all of our contributors, including yourself, Thomas, you've been on a bunch of shows with us and, and uh, everybody who supported and all the fans. So to me, this is uh one really like happy community and if you're just jumping in on uh, season four of the snl hall of fame welcome to our community at large because we're so excited to talk about saturday Night live with you we've glad we're glad you love the show and whichever way you decide to take part in it whether it's through thomas and jamie's uh show or or mine uh we're always happy to get to talk to new fans of the show absolutely i echo those sentiments and uh, i know as we're recording this the snl season is still in limbo as far as when it's going to start um, doesn't look like September's the normal kind of start date. The end of September probably doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, things might be resolved. I don't know by the time you release this, but it's hard to say, but it's not looking good. So, uh, just specifically, like, what have you been up to at the SNN over the past few months that listeners can catch up on and possibly even look forward to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really anyone's guess uh, right now in, you know, we're recording towards the end of August, uh, exactly when this strikes will end. Uh, very supportive of everybody trying to get uh, fair wages and everything else they're fighting for. But um, yeah, the strike could end in, you know, right before the season starts and start up at normal or it could be November or January. We really don't know at this point. Uh, whenever the season does start up, though, we'll have nonstop comprehensive coverage of the new season, including weekly wrap up roundtables on Mondays. Uh, if you want to watch the show and jump on over right after, we have a hot take show that's really, really fun and interactive with our chats. We also have analytics shows uh, where you can jump in and dive deep into the numbers. So those are really like great for some weekly coverage with us. And then if the show has uh, not started up for season 49, right now, now uh, we're gonna, you know, think of some fun things to do for the fall to hopefully keep the SNL community engaged. I know when the, it starts to get a little bit colder out uh, around our hemisphere, uh, the SNL bug starts to kick in everybody. So, um, you know, I'm hoping to do something that will be fun and creative to engage everybody while we're waiting for the show to come back. So make sure to check out the Saturday Night Network to figure out everything we got going on for the fall. Yeah, everything you guys do is wonderful. I'm a subscriber, especially those hot take shows. Like, I can't wait for the SNL season to come back to listen to your hot take shows. And sometimes I jump in as they're happening. That's the fun part. If my wife is asleep on the couch <laughs> after the show ends, I'll, 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 a lot of times I'll uh, just kind of walk downstairs and come into the office and open up YouTube and I'll join you guys live. But you could all you can watch it live. You can watch it uh, wherever you or listen to it, wherever you get your podcast, watch it on YouTube after the fact. So, so yeah, you guys just do a wonderful job over there. 
And well, thank you. Uh, I mean, I've always said that, Thomas, that SNL is a show, and we'll talk about this, you know, through the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame discussions. Like, Saturday Night Live is a show that's not meant to be watched alone. Like, no. it's really, it's something that, you know, it, it feels like a party when you're watching it, and you want to digest it like, you know, you're with your friends hanging out watching the sketches, just like you may have watched it in your, you know, high school experience. And that's the fun that I think we can bring to the show, is like, no matter where you are in the world, you can come hang out with us and talk about it after. So that's why I enjoy doing it. Exactly. And I got my wife into it too. And we'll do like sketch recaps on a Sunday morning when we're having cool. our tea and scones or whatever. So, <laughs> so yeah, you're right. It's, it's a, it's a really great community thing. And if you're a li- regular listener, you know that John's wheelhouse and maybe first SNL love seems to be that mid to late two thousands era. Is that fair to say, John? That's Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely had like checked out the show before that and knew what it was and I was always like intrigued by it, but when I was, um, you know, in high school and, and, you know, they were starting to build towards this new cast, there was like nothing more exciting. I mean, um, a lot of people I've talked to, they're like, oh, wow, I can't believe you were so lucky that you had this. Like, I just like didn't know any better. I didn't know that this wasn't what everybody was doing, but I was getting up on a Monday morning and going to school and everyone was talking about like the most recent digital short or like Kristen Wiig's like latest character. It was just so normal. So for me, it was just like so cool to get to watch that no matter where you were on a Saturday night with friends, what you're doing. It was like, we have to turn on the TV for a few minutes just to at least watch SNL. Yeah, that's such a fun era to jump into. For sure, I jumped into the early 90s era myself. And I think both of us jumped into a couple different golden eras uh, as well. Um, Our nominee today, Justin Timberlake, I think fits right into that era. He's like synonymous with a lot of that era. So yes, today we are talking about Justin Timberlake. We're doing a, a bit of relitigation as far as Justin Timberlake's SNL Hall of Fame candidacy goes. This is going to be his fourth time on the ballot. So he was a season one nominee who is not in yet. Uh, so before SNL, Timberlake, he hosted first uh, back in 2003. So before that, he had four albums within sync. Uh, one solo album, Justified, that was released in 2002. Um, he only appeared in one movie at that point. It was a made-for-TV movie that I never saw. And then, we, John, we saw him crying on Punked. So that was kind of our Justin Timberlake experience. <laughs> but well, let, let me tell you my Justin Timberlake experience, if yeah, you don't I'm mind. Curious. Well, so I grew up in like the era that was like, my. I always loved music. My parents loved music. Uh, when I grew up, like I was so overly influenced by uh, boy bands <laughs> uh-huh. like Backstreet Boys and Sync. I thought those people were so cool, and like I know there's a lot of people listening that might be rolling their eyes because you know just like different different strokes. But John just uh, like the Orlando, Florida music scene. Just I guess so, yeah, so much yeah, <laughs> something about that Mickey yeah. Mouse Club. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I was always a big like Backstreet Boys guy, and I was like, oh, like I would love to do that. Like that's what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be a Backstreet Boy, and like I don't have the singing talent, but hosting was something that like eventually came you know on a personal level from my interest in being out there like I used to go to bar mitzvahs as a kid um and was like oh okay I could do that like I can't do the Backstreet Boys thing but I could like host a wedding or a bar mitzvah and that's what I ended up doing professionally for like a very long time and eventually like parlay that into podcasting uh but for me growing up like Backstreet Boys and Sync always had that interest I was probably more of a Backstreet Boys guy um and then uh Justin Timberlake and NSYNC broke up which was like the biggest deal ever and everybody around the music scene was saying like Justin Timberlake is gonna be the next big thing he had been like dating Britney Spears Christina Aguilera was like in that friend group and like it was just like a huge thing and 
I remember like watching American Idol as a kid. And um, do did, did you ever watch like the first season of American Idol with like Justin a- and Kelly? Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you go back, like you watch that, like um, during that season, like Simon Cowell is like talking a lot about like looking for like the next Justin Timberlake. Like it was just like he was like the, the it person then. So when I think when he was about to host SNL in like 2003, the SNL fans in general, like probably uh, skewed a little bit older. Maybe we're not that excited about it, but I think he may have surprised a lot of people with what he could do on the show. Yeah, and I'm a little bit older than you, too. So my Justin Timberlake journey was a little different. I, when NSYNC started coming on the scene, I was in high school. By that point, it was around late high school. And I was listening to a lot of hip hop back then. I was a big Nas and Jay-Z. I was listening to Metallica, uh, kind of ra- like ra- started getting into Radiohead and things like that. So the boy, the boy band stuff was something for me to roll my eyes at. But I was in denial. Though, because I just I didn't see the talent, especially with somebody like Justin Timberlake for what it was. I was trying to keep up this persona of someone who likes this what I considered more elevated music than like an NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. So that's where I was when. when but you Justin couldn't started. escape it, though, like at the no. time. Right. Because like no. I remember like as a kid, like, you know, we would like get together with like uh, family friends for New Year's and like you turn on like New Year's like ball drops or whatever was happening. And like. It was like the battle between, you know, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC or like, you know, Britney Spears versus Christina Aguilera. Like it was just like these people were the biggest stars in the entire world. So and then again, like I I totally understand like people who had that like view of like this is not like real music. But for me, it was no. And but it but it is real music. And I I used to watch Total Request Live TRL and see them come on. uh, And I lit by the way. I mean, I listened to Limp Biscuit then too, so my music taste wasn't like totally elevated either. Sure, you know, sure, sure. so so. Uh, but I was in denial because just somebody like Justin Timberlake, and this is a compliment to him, pisses me off. He really does because he can he can sing, he can dance. We started seeing that he could act, and he's funny. You know, like I I, I mean, I could be Justin Timberlake if I can do things, and that's a. Uh, that's that's uh something about Justin Timberlake that I admire that I grew to admire is just how how multifaceted he was and uh, we definitely saw that a lot uh, on SNL like why do you think he seemed to resonate uh, with a lot of viewers just kind of setting the table like why did he resonate with people and especially SNL viewers. I think if you think of like the pantheon of SNL hosts they all bring like a certain star power I guess. I would say, like, if you think of the upper echelon of, like, great hosts, like, you're probably talking about, like, Steve Martin, Alec Baldwin, Tom Hanks, Buck Henry, John Goodman. Like, those are, like, the really, like, like the upper tier just based on um, statistics and... and Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and good quality. Yeah. Um, so, like, those are, like, them. And then, like, you know, I'd say, like, say for Buck, who may have not had, like, the strongest career outside the show, like great director and, and all that other stuff but really just uh the other ones like really bring like this level of like charisma to the show that that like they didn't need the show to be successful but the show was like tailor-made for them to be successful it was like if you built like a really good offense in the nfl and you're just missing that like last piece to like come in and like you know take over like oh we need like a really good running back to like fit this scheme perfectly like those hosts were so great for that. And I think like SNL didn't know what they were getting when they booked Justin Timberlake. I think he had been on, uh, he'd been on with NSYNC prior. He cameoed, I think with Britney Spears prior to 2003. But then when he had come on, the expectation was like, oh, we're going to get this like really big pop star. But he like was so game for the show Mm -hmm. 
that he was willing to adjust the structure of the show to build the episode so that it wasn't a regular SNL episode. It was a Justin Timberlake SNL episode. So we're going to go from a monologue into a musical performance right away. We're going to build sketches around the fact that he can sing and dance and act at the same time. And that created less of a you know, weekly show with, oh, like, who is this host? And it became an experience. It was an event that you had to watch live. And that's how I really feel it started to develop in the SNL fans' eyes and started to turn the page on what made Justin a great host. Yeah, you said that that SNL probably didn't know what they were getting with him as a host. I didn't, I, they probably didn't know that they were getting a big fan of the show. Like, they probably mm-hmm. didn't know just how much of a fan Justin is. I could tell that Justin was a fan of the show. He got the show. He let his guard down. Uh, in many ways when he was on the show. So that's what kind of sticks out to me about him is he, as you said, he gets it. And I think he's a fan and he was just living out a fan's dream uh, of being on SNL. And that really comes through the screen to me. I totally agree with you. He is, um, he's a huge fan. And I think like you see that, like when you start to, when you get to like that first uh, hosting appearance with the Barry Gibb talk show. They take like nights on Broadway and they take that song and they like redo it uh, for the Barry Gibb talk show. Like I think I've heard him talked about how he used to watch like Tom Hanks's like Mr. Short Term Memory when they would like make like their own theme songs for sketches. And they were like, oh, OK, yeah, like we can create our own theme song for this show about Barry Gibb and like, you know, incorporate music. And I, he just like found like an amazing scene partner with Jimmy Fallon and like their friendship obviously took off. And I guess we'll get into the Andy Samberg stuff. But like it was just uh, it, it like I said, it just fit so well. And he was such a fan of the show that I think he made every one around him excited to be there that week yeah so so we're sitting here you know fawning over him basically and talking about what a great host he was but you know the reason why we're here talking about him right now even though he was a season one uh, nominee is because he is not in the snl hall of fame so season one he had about 35 percent of the vote season two it climbed to 53 percent but then it maintained at 51%. He didn't see any growth that maybe some of the other candidates did. Uh, John, so why do you have any theories? Like, why do you think Justin Timberlake is not currently in the SNL Hall of Fame? Um, I don't know. I think, I think it, look, I think it's a bad decision. I mean, that's obviously why <laughs> yes. I'm here, yeah. right? But I think part of it has to be that he is a little bit polarizing. Is he, I say for the most part, he has like a pretty squeaky clean reputation, save for his admission of uh, like cheating on Britney. And I know there's like a lot of Britney fans out there. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess like it's just more like, is he your vibe? Because you have to like really like and enjoy what he brings to the show. And if you don't, like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna vote for him, I don't think. But like, I, I would hope that the voters would be objective enough to take out their personal feelings about JT and start to look back at like, you know, what he did, because I mean, every, like I said, every single time he hosted the show, it was a very good, if not amazing episode of Saturday Night Live. And, you know, he developed a format for his shows in a way that a lot of hosts did not like he, he brought something to the show. Like I said, that only the greatest hosts in the history of the show have brought. And I would guess that the other reason Thomas is because he is just so attached to a specific era of the show and if he had hosted 
you know, let's say in the late 90s and then more recently as well, I think it's a no brainer that he would be in right now. I think that's all very well said. And you had mentioned you talk about the uh, the Barry Gibb talk show, which is something that he and Jimmy Fallon did. And I think, you know, rewatching these episodes, I think there's something for everyone. I think some of sometimes his episodes get a little misremembered as just having the same format every time. And I know Justin made fun of it himself in, in, in a fun weekend update bit that he did, but I think maybe they do a little bit get misremembered that it's just all the same sketches every time Justin hosts. But I think there was a decent balance, honestly, of recurring, like those famous recurring sketches and some of the one-off sketches. So I think, I think I, I kind of want to break his specific work on SNL into two categories. You have the recurring ones, and then you have some of the fun uh, one-off sketches. So what you talked about the Barry Gibb talk show, and that seemed to resonate with a lot of people. Uh, what, what were your feelings on the Barry Gibb talk show? Yeah, I I feel like that is more of a Jimmy Fallon sketch than it is a Justin Timberlake sketch, if I'm being completely honest. Like, JT does a good job of, of you know, paying a second fiddle to Jimmy there. But, you know, that's that's what makes the sketch. I mean, the it's never been my favorite thing, like if I had to rank all the recurring stuff. But I do think it's an important uh, a sketch to insert into a Justin Timberlake episode because it has a different vibe from the other stuff he's doing. He's not like out front and center doing, you know, crazy, you know, dance moves and stuff like that beyond basically the opening intro, which has like one of the catchiest songs in the history of the show. I think these get do get misremembered as like a Justin and Jimmy both carrying the sketch and doing that but it was total opportunity for jimmy fallon to <laughs> to, uh, to do his thing i for almost forgot uh, before i went back and watched uh, all of these uh, just how much jimmy fallon uh, is in these but justin wanted to do them four times in, in in five of his hosting gigs they did this so is it it obviously was something that he loved obviously resonated with people something that he was obviously more involved into was those We'll, we'll call them Ville. The first one was Omeletteville, but there was different variations of that. And this is one of those where I think might have been a little polarizing, but they're mostly just uh, dumb fun, I think. Who cooks the egg good? Who, 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 who cooks the egg good? Yum, yum, yum. Bring it on in the Omeletteville. I love this. This is one of my favorite things for sure that he's ever done on the show because this gives him an ability to have a platform to like do what he does best. And I don't know if you were a big music person as far as like listening to like mashups or remixes of songs. But when I first started to DJ, I was like, oh, how do I find like variations of really cool music that I could play out there? So like uh, I remember there was like a, a guy like DJ Earworm, I think it was, mm -hmm. who like produces like an end of year, like like mashup of all the songs. And like, I used to love that when I was in high school. And then to watch like Justin Timberlake, and this is the connection is like, I used to watch Justin Timberlake do these sketches and he would like mash up a bunch of songs and like create like themes with them and stuff like that. And to me, like this was just like, as amazing junk food as you could find like it was pure fun everybody was having a good time i think in particular the one that he does with will forte is like very fun when they're playing off of each other so for me i i love these sketches it's fun to see him do these with different people it seemed like too like chris parnell who was in the first one you had mentioned will forte so 
uh yeah paul oh, will forte is also in the uh in the christmas one too like he's oh the yeah, yeah. yeah yes yeah. yeah he is and paul appel was uh was behind these and she did such a great job of bringing out justin's just natural charisma and we've talked about you you mentioned charisma with justin here uh that came up in our dwayne johnson episode as well and that's something you can't teach that's super important that's what that's the thing that's the thing that makes you want to watch someone on screen absolutely and you know i would say that this is like in a live sketch format involving music is one of the greatest things that Saturday Night Live has ever done, right? Like you think back to the original days of the show with the Blues Brothers and then with Nick the Lounge Singer, um, all the way to like more modern times prior to JT with the Culps. Uh, it's always been some of, you know, SNL's, you know, most favorite sketches for people is these musical performances. And unfortunately, a lot of them like don't end up online because of music rights. But when you're watching the show and you're getting to experience it live, it's very exciting. And other musical performances that, that Justin was involved with. And these, John, are, are probably my favorite of the trifecta, I would say, of the recurring bits was the the dick in a box, guys. To all the fellas out there with ladies to impress, it's easy to do. Just follow these steps. One. Cut a hole in a box. <laughs> Put your junk in that box. <laughs> Make a open the box. And that's the way you do it. Dick in a Box is my all-time, like, one, at least, like, top three all-time favorite sketches. Um, you know, for me, when that came out, uh, was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Now, everyone who's listening to this podcast has seen that a hundred times. But, like, to see that, I wish I could, like, go back and watch that for the first time. Because it was just so, like, hilarious. And, um, you know, Maya and Kristen, like, do such a good job with that. And it was just, like so stupid and so cool <laughs> even though like even though it was like it was like it was just the idea of it is like off-putting but the way that they do it makes it cool like i don't even know if, if i'm making sense but yeah no they're so making cool. fun of the type of guy that would think that that was a legit right. good idea but then they made it a good idea I but then like. they made then it, it like kind of a an, an idea where you go hmm it's like it's <laughs> you like have to be that, really comfortable in your relationship to to give that yeah. as a present right yeah yeah it's like should i be doing that and then uh <laughs> and then like i think everybody for halloween like that year like the following year uh decided that was going to be their costume I'm sure so <laughs> i i just think like that dick in a box uh amazing uh some people would even argue that mother lover is uh as good if not better uh i think so it's, it's maybe great. a slight step down but it's it's in the range i think i think dick in a box overshadows mother lover as being as as people don't appreciate mother lover for like such a great follow-up you thinking what i'm thinking i'm thinking i think it too slow up what time is it dog? It's time for a switcheroo. We both love our moms, women with grown women needs. I say we break them off, show them how much they really mean. Cause I'm a mother lover, you're a mother lover. We should each other's mothers, each other's mothers. I tend to look at how important something was to the show by if non-SNL fans clomped onto it. And a lot of non-SNL people in my life, this came out, uh, Dick in a Box was December of 2006. And I, I started watching the show again around that time. And so I was well aware of Dick in a Box. But I had people at, at my job, family members who I knew didn't watch SNL or even some of them didn't think SNL had been funny since Dana Carvey or whatever. But they said, but this was hilarious. I don't like SNL. I don't watch SNL. But this is hilarious. I love this. So I think that's like a good mark of how important something was 
to the show if non-SNL folks were like, yeah, I like this. I think that happened with Dick in a Box. Yeah, but like, I don't know if I should be saying this, but like, you know, oh, when boy. Mother Lover came out, so I I was like 16 years old when Mother Lover came out. And like, you know, like, I'm like a single, like, high school 16 year old. And like, I, Justin Trevor, like at the time, like was such a big influence on me. Like if he told me to go run through traffic, like I'm playing Hopper, you know, like I'm, I'm considering it. So when he's like, oh, Mother Lover, like, you know, and like that came out, like my friends and I were like, huh john shoot his shot at a, no but at no a, not no but like <laughs> I, I never did think about your mom that way but now that i'm hearing this maybe yeah. but you, <laughs> and you, it was like, you tell one of your friends that now that i'm watching this your mom is kind of you know she's she is kind of attractive she's pretty toasty right <laughs> you know and it's all it's all good and it's like and then like you know the golden rule three-way and like that that experience never happened with me but i'm just saying it's like you know <laughs> yeah. it just makes you think <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah, the, we had fun cam. He was in Mother Lover from Patricia Clarkson and Susan Sarandon, who did not say one word. They just were kind of in the video, <laughs> like in like good looking uh, older women. But but just what a wonderful short that Mother Lover was. What a great follow up to Dick in a Box. And just those guys, those characters, I guess, I guess they're called the Dick in a Box guys. Almost. Like yes. Officially. Yeah, I don't know that they actually have names. That's an interesting question. I believe they're the Dick in a Box guys, or yeah, we just, I think they're just known as like the Dick in a Box singers. But yeah, I mean, and also by the way, Justin never like uh, had a very short appearance in Jizz in My Pants as well, which uh, you know was in between those oh, two mm-hmm. two sketches. So it was like, oh, here's a here's a quick cameo. So to me, like, yeah, this was like my peak. I, I, I've talked on here before about uh, my love for uh, the Lonely Island and like this was also in my peak of like wanting to like make my own music videos and like YouTube had just like started up and was getting really popular. And I was like, uh, like, Oh, like uh, that's what I want to do. So like many like video projects I did in high school were like variations of lonely Island digital shorts. And, uh, the, the original one again, 2006. And that was after lazy Sunday had come out. It was like a year later. Um, but it was still early enough to where not a lot of things, you weren't having something going viral every five hours. You know, like every few months, something would hit big like that. This might have been even before uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay's uh, The Landlord. I think that this was maybe a few months before The Landlord. But every now and then, it's not like today. Every now and then back then, you would have some video go viral or hit big. And Lazy Sunday was arguably one of the first, Dick in a Box, soon after that. So this was still early on and just just the, the importance of this especially in that whole digital short Lonely Island viral video sensation kind of thing. Like it can't be overstated the impact that the dick in a box guys (laughs) played as far as that goes. Right. Well, the thing was, is that technology was advancing to the point where these videos were so easily shareable because, uh, you know, Facebook had become really popular, MySpace and, and that stuff. So like those, those were easily shared and passed around. But it wasn't to the point yet where everybody could create professional videos in the way that they can now. So the quality looked like a real music video and they were able to be passed around similar to TikToks being passed around now. So there was just such a, uh, you know, it was it was so well done at a certain time and place that they could like take over the world with the stuff they were creating. In a college, I was in an AV class or whatever. So we would shoot our own videos and we'd have to check out cameras uh, at the AV department in school or whatever. And the, uh, the the equipment that we had access to, this was back in 2003, 2004. I have better equipment as far as the phone in my pocket <laughs> than, right. than what we had to check out and the expensive cameras that we had to use 
uh, 20 years ago. So yeah, you're absolutely right. This like motivated a whole generation of of people to want to start filming their own things. And uh, just before we jump off the topic of those uh, those singers, uh, the piece de resistance, if the Americans use that term, uh, but, uh, was was the uh, for me the 2013 uh, sketch, the fifth time you host, where the those guys come back in a sketch with the wild and crazy guys, and it is such like a love fest to the history of SNL that you're able to have the wild and crazy guys, Dan Aykroyd and Steve Martin, uh, with you know, Justin Timberlake and Andy Samberg in a live sketch together. Like, how cool was that? Hey, girl. You sound like a real tenderoni. Tenderoni. So come take a ride with us. Freaking in the back of a PT Cruiser. Rental. Can we? Now let's meet our final contestant. Oh, that's weird. It's also a duo. Their brother is originally from Czechoslovakia. Please welcome Bachelors number three! Hello, American female fox! I am Jorgi Festrunk, and now you will meet my brother Yurta! You nailed it! Your swinging dream dates have finally arrived for you! So get ready to take a hike, because we are two wild and crazy guys. Bobby yeah. Moynihan playing a perfect straight man to all the nonsense. Vanessa Bear playing the the woman here there on the dating show. That was yeah, that that was absolutely perfect. Just to see, I don't know, it was just so wonderful to see Aykroyd and Steve Martin with Justin Timber, like just them on the same stage together, just an SNL nerds, just paradise right there, seeing all those people on the same stage. For sure. And like, I know we're jumping all over the place, but I mean, that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the fact that we had this five timers monologue from JT, which was like really like the first time since Tom Hanks that we're going to get like this, you know, reappearance of this mystical club. And, you know, this is my thesis statement for SNL. If you if you've heard me podcast before, I talk about SNL is a great show because it's a show within a show. You know, like there's there's so much history to it. There's nothing like it on television. And JT is such a fan of the show that, you know, when he it's his turn for the five timers club, it's like, okay, this is the guy that we're going to invest in putting in this amazing sketch where we're going to bring back SNL greats and go into the fictional five timers club. And to me, like, it, it was just like, if you weren't watching it live, like you, you felt like you missed out. And like, that's so rare for Saturday Night Live right now. Like everyone's like, oh, I could just watch it on YouTube. But like, where were you at the time when JT's Five Timers Club sketch ran? Like, that was a piece of SNL history. Well, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Welcome to the club, old boy. I always thought if an NSYNC member would make the Five Timers Club, it would be Joey Fatone. No, no, no. Believe me, this is a great addition to the club. He's a multi-talented guy. He can do everything. So, you play banjo. Oh, uh, no, no, not really. Oh. So, not everything. It was amazing. Like, in terms of five-timer sketches, and I was going to bring this up, John, so this is perfect. So, where does this one stand for you? I mean, just to look, to refresh everybody's memory, you had appearances from Paul Simon, Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, Martin Short, Alec Baldwin, Tom Hanks, and Candace Bergen. That's like holy SNL royalty. That's just ridiculous. Like, where does this one kind of stand for you? 
I think it has to be near the, the top. I mean, it's really hard to parse through these, sure. like to, to rank them in a way. I mean, I think Tom Hanks's uh, Five Timers Club uh, sketch is probably has to be number one just for like its level of importance. I think it was like so, so, so iconic. Probably in terms of like quality and jokes, this might be the best one, the Justin Timberlake one. Uh, I think the Jonah Hill one, which was more of a like uh, celebrating the women in the Five Timers Club, also equally important. So it's very good. I would say uh, quality wise, you know, a little bit a little bit less maybe. But but then the uh, John Mulaney one also, uh, which, you know, we were so blessed to get to like cover right after that happened, um, I, I think is also so important given the fact that it was like coming off of COVID, like the show was trying to get back in a certain place. John Mulaney was like representing the end of like a certain era of the show. And then you got like the return of like Elliot Gould for the first time since 1990. Like there was so, you know, th- there's a lot of like a Conan as well. Like there's just like a lot of really cool things that have happened in all these. So to me, this is like picking between your children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think in terms of quality, uh, when I think of a Five Timers Club sketch, I think my mind goes to the Justin Timberlake one. Same. Yeah. Just because of all the people that were there. I'll always remember Bobby and Taryn fighting for their for their amusement, essentially. And uh, and Bobby's just super sad and he's he's crying and he's like, I killed my friend. And then I think it was Tom Hanks is saying, I love drunk uncle. And he's like, thank you. And he kind of walks off like I always remember just the little beats of that sketch were perfect. So to me, this is the quintessential one. But you're right. It is like picking your favorite child. But maybe this child um, is above the rest of my children, if that that makes sense. Yeah, well, in a way, it's like, you know, Justin Timberlake, when he starts off his SNL career, like, it feels like you you, t- you said, like, I kind of hate the guy because, like, he's just so talented and he's, like, everything. He, like, has all these things. And I feel, as an SNL fan, tell me if this is crazy, but I feel like when he starts off his SNL career, most people view his skills and his talent as, like, so unattainable that there has to be, like, a little bit of a resentment of, like, oh, damn, like, you're so good at everything. And then eventually, like, he becomes one of us because he shows how much of a fan of the show he is that... In a way, it's like he he becomes your buddy when you're like watching him through the entire time because like he's, you know, in this in this sketch, he's holding like the gilly glass and like mm-hmm. he's just like there's like so many fun things that he does to like be meta and laugh about the show. You brought up the time on weekend update that he's like recapping what a Justin Timberlake episode would look like. Um, the SNL 40 monologue to me is like my favorite thing probably in the history of the show. It's not like canonical, but it's it is like like it made me like basically that that monologue made me create the podcast like that was like that had such like a legacy for me to be able to like go and watch that and then like want to go watch the beginnings of the show so again like he he is like a representative to me of like all things that are great with the show yeah i think he was very good at disarming a lot of us for sure uh, as not just looking at him as this like good looking guy who could sing and dance and i can't relate to him he's he dated britney spears and was a child star and i just can't i can't relate to that but when I think knowing knowing that, knowing that he was a, an SNL fan was really endearing to me. It almost feels like I can could sit down and grab a beer with him and he and I could geek out over sketches that we loved when we were kids and and, and everything like that. So it just he had a very disarming thing that ended up happening with him and his time on the show that I think I'd never really put it into words like that but but you kind of rehashing it that way uh, it was just very just somebody who seemed sort of unattainable in a lot of ways just did become one of us and i think that's huge and he had that weekend update which i guess as far as canonically for his hosting gigs 
Uh, listeners can decide if they want to include this. I think it's it's adjacent to his hosting gigs because of the content. So I do want to bring it up. And to me, it was November 15th, 2008. It was when Paul Rudd hosted. And Justin says that he was supposed to host the Thanksgiving episode, but he couldn't do it. So he's on Weekend Update and he's walking us through what his hosting gig would have looked like. And John, this is this is maybe... This is one of my favorite things that Justin's ever done on the show. Hey, Thanksgiving is Thursday, blah, blah, blue. I'm bringing turkey back. Jokes. Whatever's left, I'll eat it for a snack. Andy, is, Andy and Bill as backup dancers because they're not in anything else. Ha, ha, ha. Stick around. We got a great show. We'll be right back. Some ad parody that I'm not in, then bring it on down to Turkeyville. <laughs> Commercial and good evening and welcome back to the Vincent Price Thanksgiving special with me and three other dead people. Of course, I'll play James Dean. And straight into a digital short. Step one. You cut a hole in the turkey. Step two. Bad idea. Should not have done that. Yes. Instead of Justin Timberlake hosting on November 22nd, 2008, we got Tim McGraw with Ludacris and T-Pain. Uh, but yes, I, I, I love this because it, it's just like I said, it, it is so cool. It really does take me back to like if, if you ever get a chance to watch the first five years of SNL um, and there's just like so many moments where it's like very inside meta talking about their characters. You know, I think about like moments through SNL history, like the last episode of season six where Chevy Chase like finds the Mr. Bill doll and like, you know, like, and, and other things where they go reference old era, seeing old costumes or like walking around the studio. You know, it just all comes together in this, you know, representation of of what it means to host the show when JT gets up there and says, like, I'm not going to be able to host next week. But here's what my episode would have looked like, which is a conversation that all of us have had. Pretty much every day we talk about the show, it's like, oh, uh, okay, well, if this person hosts, we're probably going to get this sketch. Like, that is that th- this is us. So um, I loved it. Yeah, that's the disarming thing that I was talking about. Like, he's, it seems like he's in, he knew about those conversations, right? He knew that that people would say, oh, well, Justin's hosting, and this is, this is what a Justin Timberlake show is. And it almost seems like he was in on the joke. Uh, with us and he almost disarmed those people who were critical of of those or maybe he gave them fuel i don't know but it was just like he was a fan just like us and it was a fan of his own shows that he hosted and i yeah i just i just thought that was perfect it spoke to a little certain level of comfort with the justin timberlake uh episode as well like even though we're we're gonna get to some of his like better one-offs but um i mean you you knew the beats of it and whether it's to me, whether if it's an entire show or I even like sketches and recurring characters where I kind of know the beats of what's going to happen, but I want to see how they fill in those beats. And it just does speak to a comfort, like a comfort of a, of a Justin Timberlake episode. Absolutely. Uh, we may have known what we were getting when the name popped up that he was going to host. We were like, okay, yeah, we're probably going to get a rehash of Dick in the Box and maybe we're going to get, um, you know, another Ville sketch. But it was still exciting nonetheless. It was just like knowing that like you're going to go to a restaurant and order your favorite meal. So he did have these beats that we knew. He did have these characters and sketches that we knew were going to happen. But looking back and rewatching, man, there are a lot of really good one off things that he did out of things that we haven't talked about yet. Is there anything that sticks out to you that we should know? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So my favorite, I think, one-off sketch that they did with JT was the immigrant tale sketch from 2009. I don't know if you were thinking the same thing, but yeah, that's probably my favorite one. That's yeah. So good. It's absolutely great. It's like going back to uh, coming off, uh, you know, th- their ancestors are coming across the the ocean on the boat from Europe. And it's Cornelius Timberlake talking about what his future is going to look like in America and, you know, talking about all the things that he's going to do. And it's so like inside and meta to the point where Andy Samberg shows up as Moishe Samberg <laughs> talking about how like their great, great grandkids are going to be producing music videos down the road. Yeah, and it is so funny yeah. to me it's a it's a must watch he'll sing he'll dance he'll act he'll even make surprise appearances on a saturday night comedy show <laughs> there will be great excitement and then he'll appear again and again many times a year won't that lessen the excitement though each no time? <laughs> right It'll be good, right? <laughs> they ask um, Moisha Sandberg, and, he, and he's going to have a good voice too. And he's like, eh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that this is an example to me. I mean, the writing was was spot on. And Justin seems to have a sense of humor about himself. And to me, the, what, this sketch is almost a perfect example of that. He was making fun of himself a lot throughout that sketch. And I love it when... People don't take themselves too seriously. They could poke fun at themselves. And this sketch, aside from just the great jokes and and Samberg popping up, and I think to me, though, this was just such a good example of that. And it made him more relatable. Pisses me off, John. This guy is like good looking, can sing, dance. And then now he's just funny and relatable. Like, that's not fair. Yeah, it's really not. It's it's too bad. But uh, <laughs> that episode, that episode is so good. I mean, uh, episode number three for him when he hosted uh, does the cold open. I think I know I know my way around where he's walking around the studio or the, the monologue, excuse me, um, in a Target sketch. The immigrant tale we talked about mother lover, the surgery center, Barry Gibb. Uh, there's also a really funny pirate sketch at the end of that episode, which is a good one off one. It's a cute one where like they uh, the pirates are looking for their guns and they actually like swap them with people who worked at <laughs> I think it was like Disney World or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a good one. But yeah, I mean, I would say like the other, um, you know, really, really good one off sketch that he did was uh, actually I'll give you a couple. So one I really liked coming up in his fourth time hosting was he did What's That Name, which is a recurring sketch, but it's the only time you really get to see JT in it. We had an inside joke about how my feet were cold. What's my name? (laughs) Uh, Hot lady like you. Gotta have a hot name. So, Cheyenne. Audience, what's that name? Katie! Maybe you would have remembered me if I was a rapping cat. Ooh, good take now. Bill Hader is like the star of the sketches, the host, uh, absolutely fantastic Bill Hader uh, character that he does here. But the whole thing about him being with Lady Gaga and Lady Gaga, like knowing uh, all of the different names of like the people, like her doorman and JT does not know who Chris Kirkpatrick is, yes. who was in NSYNC with him was so great. Yeah, that was perfect. In, in my mind, and this doesn't happen in the sketch, but in my mind, for some reason, it's the real Chris Kirkpatrick that comes out, which would have been great. It's Taron Killam actually playing Chris Kirkpatrick, 
but in my mind it's the real chris kirkpatrick <laughs> that comes out and uh but that that yeah that joke was just so perfect you could see the distressed look on justin's face when chris kirkpatrick comes out and i was in, in sync with you and he's like hey hey, hey. yeah so uh that, and yeah bill Hader was just great Ju- yeah justin timberlake play was trying to flex his acting chops that he guess he had built up over the prior decade and he was playing distressed really well and that of course what's that name is just a classic recurring sketch in general but this was such a great edition of it celebrity edition I think that that that's a perfect one to bring up uh, if if you haven't if any of the listeners haven't seen that in a while that's uh, from season thirty six it's May of twenty eleven go back and check that out and you had another one yeah this one I definitely have to talk about which is actually from his last canonical appearance on the show December twenty first two thousand thirteen where Jimmy Fallon is hosting the show and he's the musical guest and they do a family feud sketch where Justin Timberlake is playing Jimmy Fallon in the sketch let's move over to the NBC side. Leading the team is the next host of the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon. Oh my God. Oh my God. So great. So great. So great. Celebrities playing games. Nothing better. So fun. Am I right, man? <laughs> and uh, they cannot keep it together. And that to me was so much fun. It really is a full circle moment, like 10 years later, where, you know, JT comes on the show in 2003, clearly has this amazing chemistry with Jimmy, uh, his like first like real great scene partner on SNL. And then he gets to play him in the family feud sketch in front of him while uh, Jimmy's playing, I think, Jim Parsons. And it is uh, so great because uh, Jimmy can't keep it together naturally. <laughs> and uh, and it was like, it was just cool. I mean, uh, I knew that like I was actually in new york uh during this episode uh so excited to get to watch it and like knowing that jt was in the building jimmy was in the building we didn't know exactly what was going to be happening and then they we knew he was going to be in some sketches and this was a really great addition a couple of the one-offs that i really loved were actually in justin timberlake's first hosting stint back in 2003 and the first one was the punked barely legal sketch or he he actually a bit of revenge because if you guys remember, we saw Justin Timberlake a few months prior crying on the first episode of Punked. Uh, it made when, Thomas very happy. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, I was like, yeah, screw this guy. He deserves it. He <laughs> Good for him. So, so yeah. So, he was crying on Punked. Ashton Kutcher and Dax Shepard had their show. And they pretended to be the government uh, seizing Justin Timberlake's possessions and messing up his guitar and taking his dog and everything. And and a few months later, Justin's hosting SNL, and he does an Ashton Kutcher impression, which I think probably a bit of revenge from from that punk episode because he made Ashton Kutcher seem like really full of himself and kind of dumb. Here's the deal. I'm Ashton Kutcher. I'm awesome! We're showing you all the pranks we weren't allowed to put on MTV, but now we can because my lawyer found a loophole. Ain't that right, man? Well, it's not really a loophole. What you're doing is actually very illegal, Ashton. Call me Cooch! Check out We Punk Fred Dirt. That was a really good sketch. I really like that one. I would say uh, second to another one in that episode, one of the one-offs, which I think you're going to bring up now. So I'll let you bring that one up and then I'll tell you why I really love that other one. So the second one's The Rainbow Connection with uh, he and Will Forte. And it starts off really sweet. He's singing a song with Kermit. And then he accidentally, Justin accidentally steps on the puppeteer played by, by Will Forte and things just go, go awry. What's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? And what do we think we might see? Seriously, back off! <laughs> 
Is this any better? Ow! 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 Yeah, you like that, don't you? Hey, guys, guys, stop fighting. This song is about togetherness. What do you love about this? I mean, everything. I mean, I, I love Will Forte. I love Justin Timberlake. It's just like, it's so great. Like this was, uh, this sketch was made for me and it was, it was so much fun. And, uh, you know, just Will's ability to be able to like play like exasperated and Justin's like, you know, be able to be playful and have fun with this. And yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it was so great. Uh, obviously SNL has like a long history with the Muppets. So that's also like an added element to this. So, uh, yeah, I could just see like, there's just like a lot of really like high quality, sketches in these episodes so i think the batting average is so high for his episodes which is like why he is such a fantastic host yeah right and then he's in some beloved recurring ones that he was joling in once he was in a herb welch sketch that yeah. that i really had fun with he was in a main justice sketch which may not have been as good as the jamie fox main justice sketch but it was uh, i i just i Love that recurring sketch, and I'm so I was so happy to see Justin in it. And then he was with uh, Cecily and Vanessa Bear in the ex porn stars sketch, and that was as far as his hosting gigs go. That was the final sketch that Justin uh, was in as a host of SNL. Was the the Moet and Shandon, the Monica and Chandler. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's he was just in so many things. I think other than like the the recurring ones that that we knew about, there was just so much gold. I think in those five episodes that get overlooked to me for sure i mean also we have to think about um him being in the uh beyonce uh single ladies shoot mm -hmm. from the paul rudd episode uh bobby moynihan was on our podcast last season and told us that that wouldn't have happened without justin timberlake convincing beyonce to do it so um that was a huge sketch in 2008 and then I think the other factor is like, you know, I know that the voters are looking at him as a host, but he also does double duty a lot. I think he's one of the best double duty hosts that there is uh, his ability to go from like, you know, seriously performing music to then going back to, you know, doing sketches is really great. I've seen JT in concert a few times. Uh, it is really like the best thing to just like grab a drink and relax and enjoy because he puts on a show. And I do think like his performances of uh, Cry Me a River from his first uh, hosting appearance, uh, What Goes Around Comes Around from 2006. That was his second performance in a second episode. I think I know this is hyperbole, but like one of my favorite performances in the history of the show, like he wow. is he is so much energy, uh, really, really great. Like he's going all in on it. So to me, uh, like he just checks all the boxes of what I'm looking for in a host. And I will just reiterate one last time that SNL 40 monologue, in case you've never gone back and watched it to wrap up, like the last time we have seen Justin Timberlake on, on studio eight H to me is so incredible and everything I love about the show. Swing the bears. Yeah, that's a ticket. You look marvelous. Yo, Sully, that's wicked. The nerds, the bees, and Toots is on the pedal. Rosamund, Dana, Dana. Well, isn't that special? It's a chronic white girls of SNL. It's a chronic white girls of SNL. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, and chubby chase strong. And no one can resist my sweaty ball. Dana Carvey and Sandler and Farley and Ross. Hey, Justin, what's that? It's my dick in a box. My dick in a box, babe. To me, it's a testament as to just how much the show really loves him and how important he is in SNL history is them asking him to go with Jimmy Fallon and do the opening to SNL 40. It's like such a big event. They could have handpicked anybody to do the open, but they decided on 
Jimmy and Justin Timberlake. And that just shows me that if, if the actual show, if Lorne and the show view him in such high regard, that why shouldn't we? You know, that was just a huge thing for me, that SNL 40. Yeah, 100%. I think I called it the monologue just because, like, it starts on home base. Yeah, I didn't like, know you whether know, they to did... call it the cold open or monologue, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's kind of a combo of both. <laughs> yeah, they did do, like, the monologue with all, like, those really great hosts yeah. um, afterwards. But if, if but it, you know, just saying the, the cold open, I, I just think it's it's really great. It involves some really cool characters. The, the again, the music is, is awesome and it's super catchy. I actually, like, <laughs> I used to listen to it to, like, pump myself up, like, right around uh, that time. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's still on YouTube. So it's so great. And, and my favorite part of the whole thing is like that they then like flip around, turn to camera. And like for the first time in SNL's history, we actually get a live from New York from the audience and them like with that shot, like, it's just like one of the coolest shots that leads into like the most amazing montage. So the fact that they were able to produce that for the 40th, I can't wait to see if they're able to do something for the 50th. Yeah, if you want a quick rush of SNL nostalgia in like five or six minutes, go on YouTube. This is on YouTube. Go check out the opening to SNL 40. And it's just such nostalgia just packed into like a five or six minute song. It's pretty wonderful. I'm wondering, John, do you think that Timberlake is kind of just of a specific era as far as SNL goes? Or do you think we could maybe see him make a surprise return to host the show again? Like, what are your thoughts on him maybe coming back? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I always have to feel that there were opportunities over the last 10 years. He has released music. Um, so I'm, I would be surprised if there weren't, he wasn't at least asked to host. But, you know, he was so of a time and place that if Andy's not there and Kristen, he worked with a lot and like that whole cast, you know, is no longer around. Uh, did he want to go there and not be, you know, be with all these new people that he didn't know? So, that was an interesting question for me. And then the other thing is, like, we still don't know what SNL's plans are for the 50th season. If they're planning on going back and bringing back some of the greatest hosts in SNL history, I feel like that's the spot to do it, to bring him in for, like, you know, one last time to come in and and have some fun during the 50th season. I could totally see that because I, I think that would probably, like, definitely solidify in people's uh, minds that he is deserving of being in that, like, pantheon of amazing SNL hosts. Man, for SNL's 50th season, I really hope, like, my expectations aren't this, but I do really hope that they bring back some classic hosts uh, for this, someone like Justin Timberlake or maybe bring back Steve Martin or some, you know, uh, people like that. I'm not expecting it, but it would be nice. And you're right, that would be a perfect spot for Justin Timberlake to possibly come back. Uh, so we're going to put a little bow on this, John. And just to just to recap or reiterate your argument, uh, why should voters consider Justin Timberlake for the SNL Hall of Fame in his fourth time on the ballot? Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you like Saturday Night Live, uh, you probably fell in love with the show because, like I said, it's a show within a show and nobody's more emblematic of that than Justin Timberlake. He brings that out in the show every time he's there. I think he elevates the performers around him. He's like a, an MVP when he's there. I think he makes all the cast members better in certain sketches. He brings out their best talents. I think he's super easy to write for. And I think that the sketches he does are really fun. Like, it's it's always a great energy uh, he's never had a bad episode when he's been there. He has appeared many times, not just as the host on the show and really elevated different episodes. And then if you start to look at the analytics of like amazing hosts in the history of the show, if we're talking about like segment appearances by hosts or so people who are hosts, but never cast members, 
Alec Baldwin, Steve Martin, John Goodman, Tom Hanks, and Buck Henry are the top five, followed by Justin Timberlake. Like he's he's right there. Like he's just right knocking on the door of being in that like top room of the Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm definitely objective enough to say like he I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's the greatest host in SNL history because I think there's a lot of them who have done some really amazing stuff. But I think if we're gonna really use the Hall of Fame to encapsulate uh, the the very best of the best in SNL history, you have to put Justin Timberlake in that conversation. down oh yeah all right thank you so much to our great friend thomas senna what a wonderful conversation he just had with john schneider of the snn uh a great time a great reminder that uh justin timberlake might actually belong in the snl hall of fame and i i believe that he does I believe that he does belong, but I think that he is, I think they brought it up in the episode. He is a victim of, you know, an era. He basically worked with one group and, you know, he didn't get to, he didn't get to have that um, relationship that a John Goodman, you know, got uh, doing it over 11 years uh, and working with, you know, many different iterations of the not ready for primetime players. So there's that. But what do you say we get into the sketch that was selected by John and Thomas? And this is one that they talked about in the episode. This is the um, the sketch with the old timers, the uh, settlers coming over the coming over on a boat into America, into uh, into America, and discussing you know, their future and what their future holds and, uh, hilarity of course ensues. So let's go to that. Now, this is Justin Timberlake in his SNL HOF sketch highlight. Oh, look, Ellis Island, the new world is upon us. I can smell it in me nose. Just think of it. A chance to start a new life for our children. And our children's children. Why, someday I hope me great-great-grandson might own his own land. And I hope my great-great-grandson will be a learned doctor. Ah, uh, what about you, Cornelius Timberlake? What do you hope your great-great-grandson will be like? Well, I know he'll be very handsome. Oh. Oh. And he'll be a millionaire. A millionaire? From, from fur trapping? From coal? No, from popular songs. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of songs could make a man millions? I don't know. Maybe something like, Crummy River. <laughs> so, he'll be a girl? No, that's a perfectly normal way for a man to sing. <laughs> and he'll be world famous by the age of 16. All by 16? How? At a young age, he'll go to work with a band of boys. Like in a sweatshop. Sort of. Sort of like a sweatshop. Then I imagine he'll branch out on his own, growing more and more handsome every day. 
He'll strut about in tiny vests, thin ties, and outdated hats. Oh, that will look dreadful. No, on him it will work. Okay. <laughs> that will probably frustrate other men. Aye, it will. <laughs> I actually dream of a day when my great-great-grandson will bring Sexy back. Bring, bring Sexy back? What, what does that mean? It'll be gone and he'll bring it back. <laughs> Where did it go? Just trust me, people will be on board. Okay? Well, it sounds like he'll have his pick of the ladies. Aye, indeed. I'd like to think that, at first, he'll date a popular female singer. Publicly, they'll claim to be virgins, but privately, he hid it. <laughs> then, then he'll make love with women so beautiful and so often that it won't be enough for him in here. I don't know, maybe try some stuff with guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, he'd be straight. But, uh, well, never mind, forget that part. Everything else will come true, but forget that part. Okay, fine, fine, we forget. His life is going to be a non-stop orgy of fame and money. He'll sing. He'll dance. He'll act. He'll even make surprise appearances on a Saturday night comedy show. There will be great excitement. And then he'll appear. Again, and again, many times a year. Won't that lessen the excitement, though, each no. time? No! <laughs> no! Right? right? It'll be good, right? <laughs> oh, it will be good. Who are you? My name is Moisha Sandberg. <laughs> Your prediction has inspired me. Maybe someday my great-great-grandson will also make songs. Or do you think he'll have a beautiful voice? Eh. <laughs> he'll have a voice, you know, a fine, workable voice. It'll be more about charisma with it. Aye, aye. And maybe, in this new land of opportunity, our grandsons will collaborate. You know what, Jew? There it is. You're all right. <laughs> To the SNL Hall of Fame. Hooray! That's what we've got for you this week. That's uh, Matt's Minutia Minute. Thomas steering the conversations. And I, of course, steering this whole ship around the bend. Am your Captain JD. Hope you had a great week. We did uh, making this for you. And we continue to do so. So continue dialing us up. Get ready to vote. There will be no, you know, uh, there will be no um, registering this year. We've got quite a number of people registered at this point. Uh, we're going to make it easier to vote, but you will have to use your email this year uh, to unlock the voting. So you can't just go in and vote willy nilly. You have to use an email address. But um, other than that, that's what we've got for you. So on your way out, as you pass the weekend update exhibit, you'll notice a light night switch on the wall. 
if you could do me a favor and turn that off. Because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Podcasts and such.